0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and join me on the pod this week are Rob Daracott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News, and Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist. Later in the pod, we'll be joined by Monica West from Training Matters ahead of next week's Recognition of Excellence Awards for Pharmacy Support Staff. We're really looking forward to that. So we've got a lot to fit in and it's our first pod together for a week or so. So we'd better start straight away with Good Week, Bad Week. So Rob, you're uh, live at Spoons, uh, Lyman Street Station, Liverpool, or just outside, uh, where you've been attending the NHS Confederation event. So who's had a good week or bad week there, Rob?
1: Yeah, thanks, Richard. It's a lovely day up here, I have to say, in Liverpool. Um, yeah, so good week and bad week for me, for community pharmacy as a whole, as a sector. Uh, I'm at, as you mentioned, I'm at the NHS Confederation Conference, I've uh, been here the last couple of days, and good week-wise, three mentions in NHS Chief Executive Amanda Pritchard's keynote speech. Uh, she announced the cancer checks programme. I think we're going to hear a bit more about that from Arthur later. Um, she also said that community. She also mentioned community pharmacy as a key element of an upcoming urgent and emergency care strategy. Uh, apparently, NHS uh, emergency departments ran during April at a rate above any winter pressure month we've ever had. Uh, that urgent emergency care strategy is due out sometime in the autumn, and then she also. Uh, spoke favourably about community pharmacy as a component of of health in the high street. Um, There was also a cryptic mention in the speech of Health Secretary Sajid Javid. He said, quote, primary care is in need of reform. Uh, And then he said he would be starting with pharmacy, uh, setting out his plans for the sector shortly, whatever that means. Now, as we know, and as we've spoken about on this podcast before, he's previously mentioned his liking for a pharmacy first scheme. But given that his speech to the CONFED had some pretty dire warnings for the NHS, more generally, about doing more for less and not losing sight of key lessons from recent safety reviews, such as the Ockenden Report into Maternity Services, which came across as a bit of a threat, to be honest, um, then, I mean, who knows what that means? Is that good or bad? I'm I'm not sure. Anyway... Lots of mentions of community pharmacy, that's the good bit. Now for the not-so-good bit, um, 6,500 delegates at this conference, apparently, I can well believe it, took about 20 minutes to get in yesterday as the queues snaked around the riverfront. Um, And then the delegates, the agenda, the pop-up sessions, everything suggested that the new localism agenda, the one that we're going to see dawning on the 1st of July as the new integrated care systems get underway, is going to be massive uh, and there's a huge amount of um, a huge amount resting on this uh, localism agenda. Um, so as I said before into this agenda was pitched in the Maiden auditorium mentions of community pharmacy yet unfortunately I have to say where were the community pharmacy representatives to pick up and build on those very very favourable mentions. Now notable Particularly, Rena Barai from the NPA was here yesterday, and uh, listeners may have seen Rena's social media over the last twenty-four hours or so. And yes, that is NHS Chief Executive Amanda Pritchard in the photograph. Um, but short of that, community pharmacists were in pretty short supply, I have to say. There was a great session from Lovjit Kandula, from Alison Scowcroft and Steve Riley on the implementation of the GP CPCS in Greater Manchester, and countless mentions of community pharmacy in the session on the Fuller Stock Take. Now, Richard, we've highlighted that and praised the MPA for getting the sector involved in that particular initiative before. Um, well, you know, I know the RSG has sort of bottled the imaginative and aspirational representation agenda set out by David Wright. I think Neil might be going to talk about that a bit later. Um, and there are elements of community pharmacy that deny the existence of a local agenda or we don't really want to invest in the hard work required to make the most of it but i guess richard what the confed conference this week says to me is that community pharmacy leaders are going to be doing the sector a very grave disservice at best if they don't pick up on the interest that's being tweaked up in icss and on the liaison roles that nhs england is putting in place to create sockets for community pharmacy to plug into on behalf of those community pharmacies and community pharmacists who do want to play a bigger part in the redesigned pathways and prevention strategies that are going to define the new health and social care landscape at place and neighbourhood level. Um, And you know, just been here for 36 hours or so, the sessions at this conference reveal, if I didn't know it already, and I'm like a crack record about this, uh, where the NHS very clearly is going, and in particular where integrated care could take community pharmacy, um there's a new language out there already. Um but unfortunately that new language is gonna be news to community pharmacy le- leaders, even if they've been here to hear it. So good week, bad week.
0: Yeah, thanks Rob. Sounds a, a excellent conference actually, but like you say, disappointing in the extreme that, that pharmacy didn't have, you know, a more visible presence, with the notable exception of 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 Lugit and Rena By the sound of it. So um yes we we, we're still not picking up on that local agenda i don't think um or not all the pharmacy bodies anyway and yeah what's uh what's Sajid Javid on about promising a a change in primary care starting with pharmacy what can that mean um we'll wait to find out all right good stuff Rob great start um Arthur then let's go to you good week bad week
2: uh, good week. Uh, Rob touched on it there. Uh, one of the big announcements in Amanda Pritchard's speech yesterday at the conference was that there's going to be a pilot uh, of um, pharmacies assessing patients for uh, for, for po- possible cancer symptoms and um, or sort of if they see certain red flag symptoms such as cough that lasts longer than three weeks, difficulty swallowing blood in a patient's urine uh they will be able to refer those patients for assessment without having without the patient having to to go by their gp um which is uh i mean it's great um for many reasons i think for me the big one is that pharmacies just uh see so many people and especially in the early stages of cancer people will kind of self-medicate for symptoms that they think are something like heartburn might be something a little bit more sinister that really needs to be checked out so um in that sense it it really makes sense uh details are still a bit sketchy and my understanding is that um uh uh, amanda pritchard was keen to have uh something an announcement to make about community pharmacy and uh, at the conference yesterday and this was it despite the kind of um uh service or, or pilot i should say not being quite oven ready we don't know yet the um the service design uh, we don't know which uh nhs regions is going to be piloted in or which uh pharmacies obviously though we understand that interest is quite high and um, i've seen news reports that hundreds of pharmacies have have registered an interest i have uh, not verified that but um uh, but yeah so i think interest is, is going to be high in the service um and also one of the big unknowns about it is funding um, we don't know yet whether it, this is going to be funded within the, the global sum, or as you would hope, um, there is a cancer detection fund. There's a cancer detection and treatment fund that you would hope this is going to be funded out of, because pharmacies are already so squeezed. I don't think they could throwing another sort of commissioned service within the, the c- contractual framework as it is. Um, ref- uh, the reaction has been really positive for the most part um, that I've seen. And um, the MPA said, you know, as a as a highly accessible healthcare setting, pharmacies can play an important role in spotting signs of cancer, builds on the skills of a highly trained workforce. And um, the RPS mentioned as, a, as I said that, that that a lot of people um, present to pharmacies wanting OTC remedies uh, when in fact it could be something else um and aim stress that um, that it needs to be properly resourced and funded which is going to be a key concern for for anyone uh, uh anyone sort of wanting to deliver the service um but um it's it, it's it's something that's been in, in the making for a long time people have campaigned on this for a long time including um the charity pancreatic cancer action and um, because particularly with a disease like pancreatic cancer um, the first symptoms someone might experience are could be you know something like heartburn, persistent that 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 they that, that they see that go to the pharmacy for quite frequently, and uh, friend of the pod Ade Williams has also been kind of um instrumental in campaigning for this, and he said it's now more important than ever that any delivery design delivers the vision, scalability, and sustainable model required. Um, I think i I've, I've seen a few sort of comments from GPs being a little bit more kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say skeptical, but sort of wanting to see the details. Martin Marshall of the Royal College of GPs said, um, and it's vital that pharmacists taking part in the scheme have the appropriate training and support to identify potential signs of cancer and support patients who may be concerned and anxious. And I've seen also kind of GPs on Twitter sort of raising questions, uh, such as. Well, I saw, I saw so, sort of a glib comment from someone. Maybe it's a GP I should refer to pharmacists to get some urgent cancer tests because NHEC are setting up direct access for them, but not for us. Um. So 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 that's at the tenor of some of the comments. And I've seen another kind of GP saying that um, are the pharmacy pilots going to have access to rectal exams, bloods, and FITs to refer to it? Uh, colorectal cancer pathways. So um I think broadly really positive. Um people think it's a it's a good idea. It fits um pharmacy's ethos and good for kind of uh patients. So but 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 sort of a lot remains to be seen.
0: Yeah thank you Arthur. Yeah so details still to be worked out like you say but this is really, really good news, I think. Pharmacists perfectly placed to identify cancer earlier and, and direct people to appropriate care without going back to the the patient's GP which is which is the plan here and we, we've we called for this on the podcast before haven't we good evidence behind it I, I don't really understand why doctors are, or some doctors are um are objecting because this is surely all about augmenting what's already out there in terms of cancer surveillance using an accessible provider in the shape of community pharmacy which is actually more accessible isn't it in in poorer communities and This means we can begin to tackle the health inequalities in cancer detection and and prevention. So, yeah, we we await to see um, details of the pilot. um, But this has been long called for and is very good news, I think. Okay, Neil, um, good week or bad week for you?
3: Well, I've gone for the Association of Independent Multiple Pharmacies. Um, Good week, bad week? Let you guys decide. I'm veering towards bad week. Uh, Because I guess it depends, but I guess it depends where you sit on this. Um, I've gone bad because simply because they were called out by the Review Steering Group that's overseeing the reforms to the PSNC and LPCs for inaccuracies that were contained in a briefing note which we've we've seen uh, that AIM sent out to its members, Um, and that led to the RSG accusing it of misinforming its members. Uh, First, the RSG said that AIM had misinformed members about the makeup of the PSNC. So, in its briefing note, AIM said it said that it was concerned that quote, non-proportional representation on the elected PSNC board is a big barrier. And it claimed that 50% of representation belonged to the Company Chemists Association, even though, quote, CCA companies only hold 40% of the market share of ODS, that's Organisation Data Service codes. Rejecting AIMS claims about CCA representation, the RSG responded, the PSNC committee is currently evenly balanced so it's at 50% independents regional representatives and NPA and 50% multiple pharmacies this includes CCA non-CCA multiples which also may include AIM representatives so AIM's concern there seems to not only be that CCA has a, a larger slice of the representation cake than they ought to have but the fact that reading between the lines the fact that AIM also the other concern AIM have is that they're clumped together with with the CCA which they see as unfair doesn't give them a, a, a fair proper representation of the PSNC. Um, some may see this as AIM attempting a petty land grab or even trying to scupper the proposals by getting their members to vote no. Uh, although it is worth mentioning that AIM uh, uh, have did come up with positives in their briefing about the proposals as well, as well as concerns and its chief executive, Leila Hanbeck, did tell me that AIM is not encouraging its members to vote a certain way. But it depends how you read this, really. Um, and yet another way to look at it could be that AIM is simply... On a, on a slightly more positive note, is that they are simply standing up for what they believe in and and some might say legitimately, complaining about its representation. Uh, why why should it be clumped together with the CCA and not be represented in, in its own right on the PSNC? So you, you can kind of see where they're coming from. I mean, if you were in their shoes, I suppose you'd say the same thing. Secondly, the RSG accused AIM of misinforming its members about the consequences of a a vote to reject the proposal. So AIM, in its briefing, note warned members that a no vote would mean that the proposals are rejected and talks would, quote, need to resume until all concerns are addressed. Again, the RSG rejected AIM's claim and said that a no vote would signal the end of the discussions at that point because there would be no more resources available to fund the RSG and its terms of reference would expire at that point, uh, at the point the vote is held. That would be the end of the story. Um... And this is what the RSG said, I'm sure our listeners know, but this is what they said. They said a no vote on the proposals would mean that contractors do not want to take forward the suggested improvements to PSNC and LPCs. As such, PSNC and LPCs would not be required to make any changes, although they may choose to do so individually. Um, So that would be the end of of the story, according to the RSG. So AIM haven't come out of this looking particularly good uh, because they've been called out. Uh, for misinforming their their, their members uh, over over the proposals and and, and, what, and what the reality is, but on the other hand of the on the other side of the, the coin, I, you can kind of see where they're coming from. They'd like more representation. They'd like what how they what they perceive to be fairer representation. And who wouldn't? But I've gone bad week for AIM simply because they've they've been called out, and, it, and that in itself is uh, is not a good look.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Neil. And uh, less than two days to vote uh, here um, for the RSG proposals so yeah it's an interesting one isn't it um kind of accusations being being floated around um i suppose what i'm interested by is how this might affect the vote because i think it's i think the vote's on a knife edge first of all whether they're going to get to that that two thirds um turnout that they need Uh, and then of course there's the yes no vote on the proposals themselves um and it's it's narrow isn't it because i would imagine you're looking at the cca member companies voting yes it looks like aim are going to be voting no and the independents probably split and maybe um maybe the the misinformation that's been that's being spread according to the rsg will affect that vote and affect our independents vote so if you kind of do those rough sums on the on the back of a an envelope you're going to get well it, it's tight it's really really tight whether this is going to get through and that's even assuming that the, the vote the threshold the voting threshold or the turnout threshold is reached um arthur what do you think of all of this
2: yeah i mean i i think there's definitely i mean as you say there's only a couple of days to go and um, and it's 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 a lot hanging in the balance there. It's it's unclear how it's going to go. I would say if it doesn't go through, um, potentially a factor would be the messaging from even the the trade bodies that are are supporting the proposals. Um I've said I've said this to you, Richard, that um I mean it's fair enough to be honest and say we're voting yes, holding our nose reluctantly. Um but in terms of sending out a message to you know thousands of people, that's the message gets a bit muddy that way, and people are going to feel a bit. Do you know? Do you, it's um. I think it's uh, and I would say sort of clear messaging has been something that's been lacking quite a lot through the past. Kind of is it three three years, two two and a half years of the whole um the whole initiative.
0: Yeah, it seems ages, doesn't it, Arthur? Uh, when this whole thing started, um, yeah, and I I I'm picking up on that. I suppose that that with these. A split vote, or if the vote doesn't get through, the proposals don't get through, and I not what does that say for you know for the sector that we can't you know agree a way forward, and um, you know we're pushing back, and I think you know a split sector now with all these changes locally that Rob's described earlier on would be well catastrophic. It would it would set the sector back years, I think. Um, So not being able to come up with a, a united voice on this, I think will be very damaging um neil do you want to just round up your segment
3: yeah it's interesting uh, how this is going to go and as you say it will be tight uh, a tight finish but i i've got a sneaky feeling it will, it will be pushed through and simply because i and i've spoken to a few, uh, uh, three independents i won't name them but uh, you know they all uh, say they're going to vote um and uh, um the reason i think it will sneak through is because i think there's a f- just purely out of fear or the anxiety that if they don't vote and, and this doesn't, and this does go back to square one, this, this could, you know, the risk is that we'll all look back at this in, in, in a year's time or, 12, or two years time and think what an opportunity that we, that we missed. I mean, this is a, a once in a, 10 20 year potentially 20 year opportunity you know this is this is a golden opportunity to to to, to get get pharmacies national and local representation house in order and if they don't take the opportunity by just by voting yeah, either way you know it's it's a case of well it, it what a what a golden opportunity so i think that that anxiety in itself is in, i think i've got a feeling will be enough to see this at least enough votes be put through for this
0: yeah let let let's hope so because the, the the local collaboration integration uh integrated care organization or systems trade is is leaving the platform isn't it And like rob is saying leaving the platform with a rate at knots i'm not sure we're on the train yet or or even at the station so we yeah well let's see how the vote goes let's see how the vote goes it's going to be tight either way i think um but it's a really important vote and if you haven't voted yet um then please make sure you do okay um I've got to finish then. I'm going to go for bad week David Webb, England's newest chief pharmaceutical officer and the other chief pharmacist, but they could yet pull it out of the fire and make it a good week. Um, let me explain. So this is all to do with the Professional Leadership in Pharmacy Commission, which David announced to, to great aplomb in his impressive speech to the Clinical Pharmacy Congress the other month, which got him a good week nomination from Rob incidentally. Well, the the honeymoon period for David is, is well and truly over, because when the Commission makeup was revealed, all hell broke loose. Where was community pharmacy? Um, and I'll return to that. But let's take a step back first and remind listeners about the aim of the Commission, which is to determine how professional leadership can be strengthened at a time of transformational change in pharmacy. Now, this is very laudable um indeed necessary although also i think a rather damning indictment of the the effectiveness and ambition of the, the profession's existing leadership structures uh, there's going to be a few sleepless nights at east smithfield in the coming months that's for sure um but yeah the makeup of the commission as originally announced the lack of any meaningful community pharmacy representation on that commission it got people very hot under the collar indeed and understandably so it's a glaring omission and a a bad step, I think, or misstep by David and the chief pharmacists. Uh, unfortunately, things on social media uh, quickly got out of hand, which is, which is never a good look. So the whole thing was a, a PR disaster, darling, really. Now, to me, when you look at that commission, it does have a rather unbalanced and unrepresentative look to it. Um, you I know, accept its members are, are, are mainly very well-known and able senior figures in pharmacy. It would be interesting to know the selection criteria, wouldn't it? Or or the group's uh, terms of reference, or even how it's going to mitigate against possible conflicts of interest. So there's not much detail yet. Um, but, you know, the word on the streets also is that some of those commission members, perhaps a little spooked by the negative reaction, not just from community pharmacists, but but pharmacy technicians and pharmacists from the pharmaceutical industry as well, they're, they're none too happy. And, and some of the commission members might be having cold feet uh, about, being asked to take part we'll see um but you know that aside the purpose of any commission regardless of, of its composition is to take soundings uh, is to assess the evidence and engage as widely as possible and, and co-chair nigel clark formerly of the gphc of course he's pledged to do exactly that so maybe some changes to the commission structure may begin to repair the damage and this is where David's bad week might just turn into a good week because I heard a whisper today and we're recording this on Thursday that there might be some late additions to the commission from community pharmacy which is the biggest sector in the profession after all let's hope so Uh, but chaps we'll just have to wait and see so as things stand bad week for David Webb and the other chief pharmacists but that could change watch this space So any other business? Now I've got something. I've just published the longest word that we've ever had in the June issue of Pharmacy Magazine. It takes up an entire line on a column. And the word is, let me get this right. I oh God, isophagogastroduodenoscopy. Oesophagogastroduodenoscopy. It's a diagnostic procedure to assess the presence of Barrett's esophagus but enough of that uh, let's move on in fact let's welcome Monica West editor of training matters back onto the podcast to talk about the recognition of excellence awards which take place next week always a highlight of the year celebrating our wonderful pharmacy support staff it's a brilliant event you must be really looking forward to it mom
4: Well, it's certainly been a big day for you, Richard. What a mouthful. But yes, thank you ever so much. Uh, The Training Matters team are so excited. We're just a week to go now until the ROE Awards on the 24th of June. And unlike just about every train in the country, next week we will be full steam ahead, ready to welcome pharmacy staff to the Londoner Hotel in central London, where we will spend the afternoon recognising and celebrating the hard work they continue to do for communities across the UK. Um, So we have eight award categories this year including the rising star award which goes to someone who's made a positive impact in the sector in just two years working in pharmacy we have our pharmacy team of the year award to which this category was super competitive we had over 50 entries alone this year which was amazing and we actually have a brand new category this year which is our health equality award which rewards an individual um that's made strides to tackle health inequalities in their communities which is something that we know pharmacy staff do really well um it's such a special event and we're so humbled listening to these stories every year so yeah it's going to be really really special
0: and how can listeners keep tabs on the event and find out about the winners
4: Yes, absolutely. You can follow along on the day by searching the hashtag ROE22 on our Facebook and Twitter, which is at TMMagazineUK, as well as our newly launched Instagram, also at TMMagazineUK. Shameless plug here, but be sure to go and check it out because we will be posting throughout the day. And of course, we also have our ROE Awards Supplement, which is a mini magazine coming out alongside the Training Matters July issue, where you'll be able to read about the full extent of our finalist achievements. And I implore you to do so because they are absolutely excellent.
0: Thanks, Monica. We can't wait to celebrate next week the outstanding work of pharmacy support teams up and down the country. Good luck to all the finalists. We're really looking forward to hearing they're amazing stories, some of them absolutely incredible. Right, that brings us to the end of this week's pod. Thanks again to Monica, Rob, Arthur and Neil. All the Talk in Pharmacy podcasts are available on the Pharmacy Magazine website or from wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>